This episode is brought to you by Michael's Business English, the online language school for busy English language learning professionals. Learn more at michaelsbusinessenglish.com. You are listening to the International Careers Show, a podcast dedicated to supporting international students, professionals, and business owners. We'll be diving into case studies of people just like you, as well as talking to thought leaders and experts to learn more about how global citizens can navigate and achieve success all over the world. I'm your host, Michael Rincon, a former six-figure analytic consultant turned ESL instructor and career coach and the founder of Michael's Business English. Building an international career is hard work, so if you're looking for help, you're in the right place. Welcome back to the International Career Show. I'm your host, Michael Rincon, and today's episode is the secret to winning academic scholarships with Lido Willinen. So Lido is a national speaker and an international student at Drexel University majoring in computer and security technology. She's passionate about using technology for social good, economic development, diversity and inclusion in tech and helping students become confident and unleash their potential and has cracked the code to winning lucrative academic scholarships. Welcome Lido. Thank you so much, Michael. So great to be here. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself in terms of your background, education, and experience? Sure, absolutely. Um, well, kind of like what she said, my name is Ledo. Um, I currently am an international student in my third year at Drexel University. I'm in a five-year program. I, I'm originally from Nigeria, which is a country in West Africa. I grew up there for the first, uh, I would say, about like 14, 15 years of my life. Um, and growing up, I had always been very passionate about education um, and like planning on my future, my career. I always thought I wanted to study medicine. And when I actually applied um, for majors in the universe, in the United States, um, that was like my main career path, like pursuing medicine. Um, I chose Drexel because it was, first of all, in a, in a state that I knew no one in, I really wanted to be able to find my feet as a college student. Um, and then also the fact that the school offered me the program I really wanted to pursue, and that was biomedical engineering. And I had chosen that major compared to other very common pre-med majors like biology or psychology because I was really looking for a well-rounded college major that would really position me to stand out when I was applying for medical school. Um, that was kind of like my mindset, my, my way of thinking. Um, but quickly, my first year, I found out that, OK, that's not really what medicine is on the path I want to take, even though I really want to help people. Um, I can still do that in other ways. I found out that I was more interested in my technical classes. So I thought, OK, you know, it wouldn't hurt to just see what this whole field of technology slash computer science looked like. Um, after moving around a bit, I ended up choosing to major in computing and security technology, which is essentially cybersecurity, because I was really interested in just fighting crime through technology. I love the application of tools rather than actually building software. So that was how I guess um, through being intentional, um, asking the right questions, meeting people, I found my way to where I am um, in this current major. So in my program as well, I've done two co-op. My first co-op, I was doing research in a lab. Um, my second co-op, I, I just finished in March. I was working at JP Morgan um, as a quality analyst, um, where like lots of like testing. Um, so yeah, that's, um, and then I'm currently working on applying for my third co-op in the fall. Um, besides that, I'm very just passionate about 
helping students, um, diversity and inclusion. That's really a core of who I am. And I do that outside of school. So I co-founded a community called Students of LinkedIn back in January of 2019. And that community is really just to serve students, to help students really demystify the, the concept that they have about LinkedIn being too professional or not being for them. And we do that through workshops, webinars, you know, um, partnering with other companies and to host events to really help students um, work through what it means to build a brand on LinkedIn and just how that helps them in their personal and professional lives as well. Um, yeah, and then also very passionate about helping students actually um, get funding. Um, for me, as an, inter as an inter international student, I really saw how hard it was uh, having my parents having to pay out of pocket for a part of my tuition, even though my university did provide me with scholarships i knew that there was much more i could get um so again it's um and i've been able to thankfully you know just with some experience i actually this actually this may this month i opened up my calendar for two weeks to different students um just really help them work through the portion of app applying for scholarships and things like that so i'm really excited to also be sharing more of the strategies with you um, in this podcast so that's a bit of a nutshell about me no, that's awesome. I love it. I love. I was. I was a little surprised. I didn't expect <laughs> that you actually were a, a biomed engineering major. Yeah. Talked about it. And the reason you chose did not. It was well rounded. And I think that's you know for those of us who are not uh, educated about medicine, I thought it was really cool to find out that um, the major you choose can help you when you go to med school. Like it can be a factor. Mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of people don't think about that. That was really cool yeah. insight there. I, I loved also how. You discovered that not not naturally, not something you kind of do on your own, but it just kind of happened. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Um, that you you found out accidentally that um, medicine may not be the major for you, but you still want to help. And hmm. through asking questions and getting more information and talking to people, you learned more about cybersecurity um, and fighting crime, which is that's awesome. Uh, great way to help people. <laughs> I'd love to learn more about. Um, I, I didn't catch it, but the community you founded, you co-founded on LinkedIn. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes. So students of LinkedIn, um, like I said, it's a community um, whose mission is really helping students to take ownership of their career and to build an authentic personal brand. Now, this community was kind of birthed um, after. So I started using LinkedIn, I guess, actively, I would say, around October slash November of 2018. Now at that time, even when I had joined the platform, I saw quite a number of students, but still not a lot compared to like the larger community. And compared, to, even when I would speak to like my friends um, at university or just peers around me, it was this common message or, or idea that LinkedIn was too personal, or was too professional, sorry, um, compared to like other social media platforms like maybe Twitter or Instagram, there was a dearth of students on LinkedIn. And Many people thought, okay, it's not really a place where I can share anything, right? I don't have anything to give. If anything, if I'm using LinkedIn, then it must be, you know, me finding a job or an internship. Um, and the truth is, when I actually joined LinkedIn in 2018, towards like November, October, I actually wasn't finding a job or, or internship or anything. It was none of that. It was really just me trying to find a place for me to share my story as a student, as an international student. Um, I really felt like I had a different perspective to bring to the table. Um, so myself and um, two of our co-founders, Blessing Adogami and Charles Arde, we really just came together. So before, Students of LinkedIn was actually just a hashtag that I think we founded this. Um, and then when we just saw the please in use um, hashtag with like you know, there are lots of students using this this um this 
hashtag, then maybe there actually are, there's like a niche we can, we can create. Um, so that was really just how it started. We just made a company page on LinkedIn. It was pretty simple. Um, we didn't really have like this formal process of like joining the community. Like you didn't really have to apply to join. It was literally just, you know, you following the page, staying tuned, um, signing up for webinars if we did have any. Um, but again, the, the main thing was to really just not just show students not just tell students what why they should join LinkedIn, why they should use LinkedIn, but showing them how. Really taking them through those practical steps of you know building a profile or how to enhance your profile. Um, really writing that summary section to to tell a story, knowing how to make your LinkedIn profile an extension of your resume. So even when you now have a very well-built profile, how do you connect with people? And I think now more than ever, it's so important because you see how like we're in this global pandemic where you know human interaction is very limited. Now all we can rely on is like our digital, um, our digital devices. Right. Um, so it's very important. Again, then it might not have seemed as something as important, but now I see the importance of, you know, students just being able to use, you know, platforms like LinkedIn and other platforms to really connect with professionals, recruiters, other students as well, um, really grow their network, really grow a community. So that was really just the mission behind students of LinkedIn, um, to really break those, to really make people see, okay, LinkedIn is not as scary as you think, right? And it's very open to students if you stop undermining your experiences because myself and everyone else out there has a story to share that we all need to hear from. I love it. I love how you talked about how um, you found LinkedIn, not for the job search like most people do, but because you were mm -hmm. looking for a place to share your story, uh, to share your perspective yeah. with yeah. students. Um, a lot of people don't realize that they have to work harder than anyone else. It's a common theme I've seen mm -hmm. over and over. Um, and I think it's important, like you said, for other students to come together so they can get support and get the help. And I love that this uh, Students of LinkedIn program is actually helping other students uh, to build profiles, better profiles, actually connect with people. And I can't tell you how important that is because today, uh, before this interview, somebody reached out to me and said, Dear Mr. Michael, good day. It is my pleasure to connect with you and hope you're safe. Like, and you can tell, like, this is already weird. And this is what she goes. <laughs> Kindly advise when there will be an open positions in events department or other related criteria when the situation is getting better. Meanwhile, if you may kindly advise your email address so I can forward you my CV for your kind record. Right? Oh like, my God. <laughs> but I, I just thought I'll tell her, like, I'm, I'm a solopreneur. I don't have an events department. You know, mm -hmm. I, don't, I, don't have, I don't even have any of that stuff. So I don't know why she reached out to me thinking that exactly. But, I think people just like sending mass, mass like connection requests and not really taking time to really go through people's profiles to see. Cause, and that's kind of how I'm able to even filter out people I should connect with versus don't, versus those I don't even accept connection requests from. Cause if you're telling me about a business, then to me, like, I really don't have like an actual business. So what are you really like, referring to? And I think people don't know this, but just again, I know it might be more work, but it goes a long way in making the person know that you took the time to really get to know, even if it's just like, one thing or two about them. Rather than just like making all these vague statements that make me feel like, okay, you're just sending this to anyone and everyone you see on LinkedIn. So yeah, those are things, some things to consider. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that, for those insights. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you learned about the academic scholarships and the process for winning them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of like what I said um, a while ago, I knew that the institution I chose to attend was not particularly the cheapest. And even though my parents were, were, I guess, believed in me to say, okay, this was, this is a worthwhile investment. I knew that the financial burden was getting heavy. And again, it wasn't something they would say to me, me because they didn't want me to worry, but you know, when you kind of just know what, how your parents feel. Um, so 
my first year, I'm not going to lie, I didn't really look for scholarships. And I think the main reason was really because I was just trying to adjust to this new country, this new lifestyle, this new academic system. The fact that I was alone, um, I didn't have my family here. Um, struggled with like just finding a community friends. It was just like, a lot of trying to find my feet that I could not really like add on. Just, I guess the process of like applying for things. So that really was like I was barely thinking of that. But my second year, however, was where things changed and. I saw that, okay, I didn't have to wait for, like, a perfect college experience for me to do the things, like, I knew I should do. Um, so, as usual, like, I went the, like, first obvious step, I guess, is, like, just go on, on Google and search for, like, international scholarships for, or international student scholarships in the U.S. Because, again, you want to kind of specify, because, for example, I probably cannot be eligible for, like, a scholarship in, let's say, some university in Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I noticed that even though it would give me some some results, one main barrier was how most of them would be like, oh, you have to be a permanent resident or you have to be a U.S. citizen to apply. So once I would just see that in the like requirements, like it would just always be like a bummer <laughs> and it would really just, you know, make me feel sad. And I just felt like, wow, there's really there's probably really nothing out there. But then I knew again that there, there has to be something. Also, something to mention was. I guess like there are two ways of going about it. So you can either find external scholarships or internal scholarships within your university. So the way my university worked, again, this is just with my university. Um, it might be very different for other universities. Um, it's really hard to get more aid than what you already get coming in. Um, most of so some departments and some colleges will have like scholarship for students specifically, but it's hard for you to like maybe like you know apply for university wide scholarships and have your aid increase as you go on through the years. At, at Drexel University. So with that, like with that, even though I, I applied for a few internal scholarships, it just felt like, you know, maybe my, my application wasn't good enough um, or I just didn't know like people per se um, to really like speak up to and tell them more about myself beyond what they just read in my application. So that kind of pushed me to kind of find external scholarships. Um, and it's funny because all three scholarships I got this past year, I didn't find them on Google. Um, and I took a different approach. So now I'm not saying there's, I mean, definitely apply, um, search for things. I mean, we have an amazing search engine, Google, right? But I think what I have learned is people are my biggest resource. Um, There's this popular quote, African proverb, I don't know if you've heard it, but it says, if you want to go, if you want to go fast, go alone but if you want to go far go together and that's kind of like been my mindset so for someone like me who was again tries to be very very independent like my initial approach was to just try to find things on my own but when I saw that wasn't very effective I had to start changing up my strategy a bit so I started reaching out to people now not reaching out to say oh hey do can you give me a scholarship but just hey this is who I am I'm you know I'm an international student. I am very passionate about this certain like areas, technology, diversity and inclusion, helping students. Um, I'm also really looking, you know, for scholarships. Um, that most times would not be the initial thing I say, but maybe like after a few times of talking, I'll definitely put that in. And what that does is even if people kind you know refer me to something right there and then they get to know me, they know who I am, they know what I'm interested in, and then they get to be on the lookout for me. Right. And again, it's very, very simple. Like, I feel like when it comes to connecting with people, I know that there's some people have like steps and procedures. I just like to let things flow naturally. Cause again, when you start to like make all these rules, it doesn't really apply to every conversation you have. Right. Cause again, people are very, very different. Um, so 
I just started connecting with people genuinely for who they are. Even if I was just slightly interested in them, I've connected with people, again, not even for professional reasons per se. Like, for example, um, there's some people that I have connected maybe because a post that they shared resonated with me on LinkedIn. Uh, maybe it was something even personal. Maybe it was them having some experience working in an African country. And then I can relate to that and basically get to ask them, okay, how was your experience living in that country? You know, being someone who lived most of my life in West Africa, I would love to like, share your experiences with you. And before you know, we're talking about other things as well. So I think many times with LinkedIn, people think, oh, I only have to connect with someone for professional reasons like resumes or, or you know, cover letters or things. I'm not saying those are bad reasons to connect with people, but I like to just take a very natural approach when it comes to connecting. So the more I did that, I just found that people really knew who I was. Like if, you know, even if I wasn't there, people could like speak up for me and say, okay, this is what Ledger is really interested in. Um, and it got to a point where people would even send me resources that I, I wasn't aware of. Because what I did was by me telling people, I had more eyes on the search for me rather than only me myself looking for scholarships or opportunities. Um, so like, it was like more people, you know, being on that search for me. And it got to a point where even if I didn't like, check for any scholarship i would literally just have people send me links like oh hey Lado, i think you should check this out or hey here's a scholarship you might be interested in applying for you know and then we're just like okay and what i did was anytime i find something i'm interested in i have this um one notes um document where i would just have a link of the different scholarships deadlines things like that um essay questions so you kind of like know what what every scholarship is asking me to, to submit um but yeah that's kind of like one way and i don't think many people do that enough many people try to do things like oh let me just find i'm not saying you can't find opportunities but i learned how to i learned to see people as my biggest resource um another thing was again being in communities that had very similar goals to what i was pursuing so being a woman um being a minority in technology um Again, I didn't really get a lot of support within my university. So that's also what pushed me outside to see, okay, maybe I can find other communities with other students from different universities, really just trying to navigate this, this, um, ex this college experience as, as a person in technology. Um, so one of the communities I really love so much is We're Writing the Code. It's actually a nonprofit organization for women in technology or female college students in technology i think i believe now it's also open to master students and literally it's a it's basically based on facebook i think it's over six thousand um members and what i would do is when i when i initially joined it when i initially joined i was just a member so i wasn't a fellow so being a fellow has like i guess more advantages um so i was just a member really didn't have any, like exclusive rights to um certain events or things but i still was trying to harness you know maximize my time there so i would literally just search for like scholarships in like the facebook search bar and it would give me a list of co content or posts that people have made regarding that so maybe it's people asking for other people to share scholarship links that they know with them or people saying, oh, hey, this is a list of scholarships that, you know, students might be interested in applying for. And that was literally just how even within that community, I was searching, I was digging to find what other people already knew because I saw that that community was very, very active. There's literally every student has literally interned at a company you're thinking of, of, of applying to. Like, it's literally just so diverse, very, very well informed. Um, the females are just really amazing. Um, so that's really what I would do. So I would say like my two things have been people and communities. Um, again, very, very similar, but um, yeah, I would say that's, those are the ways I went about finding um, the scholarship. And then actually now applying, I don't know if that was the second part of your question or were you going to ask the second part? Yeah, but, but before I ask that question, um, let me 
let me just recap what you've talked about, which I loved. I love that you talked about the internal versus external scholarships because uh, universities have a, a limit or a budget to how much financial aid or support they can provide to their students yeah. and of all these other students they have to support. Um, I also love, and this really shocked me, um, all three scholarships that you won, you didn't mm-hmm. find Google. I'm just like, yeah. I'm going away. It's like, wait, what? Like, I thought Google was the answer to all the problems. <laughs> so I loved it. I loved uh, how you um, connected with people genuinely on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this person is someone I can utilize. No, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm this person because of something we have in common or the post. Yeah. And I think the most important lesson I got from this, the most important insight is that um, by building your network, by building relationships with people in a genuine, with genuine interest, you were able to um, get people to advocate for you, and they were like mm-hmm. basically finding scholarships for you, which was, was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right. Okay. Now let's talk about your actual process for you. You have a very unique uh, process for winning these scholarships that has allowed you to pay for school. So I think this is really mm-hmm. awesome. Into this. Yeah, so, okay, so I wouldn't, like, say it's anything, like, special or, like, you know, magical or anything. Um, I think it's just strategies that people don't really, you know, think will be beneficial to them. Um, so, and this is actually something I, I discussed with the students I had been speaking with for the past two weeks um, with my one-on-one sessions. So I'll just share, like, a few of the things I mentioned with them or mentioned to them. Um, so... I think many times when I, you know, read essays or even when I would apply for things, um, I had this very strict guideline. Like I would stick to strict rules. Now, clearly, if, for example, the word limit is 500 words, right, I would not, like, it doesn't make sense for me to go 800 words. That already almost, like, disqualifies me. Um, but when it comes to, like, actually answering the question most times people don't really give you like strict like oh it's not like okay answer it in three paragraphs or you know use specific types of words i think this is and this is where you really get the chance to um show yourself so i guess something i'll just mention before i kind of delve into that is the, the reason why most times scholarship applications come with an essay portion is because your resume, your transcript is not enough, right? Like all of those are like kind of facts and figures about you, even your LinkedIn profile. Like I get to just, you know, maybe experience things you've done, volunteer programs, um, maybe classes you've taken, things like that. But still that doesn't give us enough information to know who you really are beyond, you know, the experiences you have. Most times I hear, even when I apply for it, when you think of interviews, um, interviews are kind of like application essays as well, where the team wants to really get to know who you are as a person. Are you someone that, you know, we can work with? In this case, with scholarships, are you someone that we want to invest into, right? Um, and the thing about scholarships as well and with essays is there's no, like, a right or wrong essay. Like, no one, can, it's not like math where, for example, let's say, we know two times two is four. Anything other than that is, like, a, a lie or wrong. So essays are not, like, right or wrong. No one can read your essay and say, oh, this is a wrong essay. It's just all about, I think the criteria that are that is used is just strong, weak, and average. And it's all about the way the story is, is or the essay is is, is written. Um, so I, th- I think one thing, one mistake I used to make is I would make it very factual. Like, I would make it almost like a bullet point. Um, where I would just I just spit out things I've done like okay I did this here's what I did then this and that and there's no like connection right so it's like yes I'm clearly telling them the amazing accomplishments I have but 
still there's nothing connecting them together. So I, I think one strategy that I have started or using is to really find that balance between storytelling and really hitting the nail on the head. Um, and I say that because most times people do many essays, at least that I have written is one or the other where people are being too creative. It's almost like I'm reading a novel. Now the thing about scholarship applications is you can use strategies of like maybe English college classes, but you can't really write it the same way you would like write a fiction of novel or things like that. So it has to be very, very in depth, practical and straight to the point. Um, so really finding that balance between knowing when to tell your story, but also knowing when I should just say things as they are. I think what that does is it creates a relationship between the why and the what. So for example, maybe a question can be telling, asking me to share things I have done. Because again, most of the scholarships I applied for are women in technology focused. So kind of having that, having that, um, knowing what the scholarship is for really helps you to know what direction to take and knowing how to revolve your, your responses um, around a central theme. So for example, let's say a question is, how do you, um, oh, let me, like, okay, how am I maybe increasing the retention of other women in, in the field? Um, I can go in and definitely say things I have done, but I can also maybe take things in a different way. Also talk about why I'm doing what I'm doing. And what that does is it carries more meaning to my what, because I've mentioned the why. Um, another strategy I would say is to, um, Sorry, I kind of blanked out for a second. Okay, I remember. Um, my other strategy is to, as much as possible, try to quantify your, like, just try to show impact. I think many times people only do this in their resumes, but they don't translate that to, like, even when they write essay, um, essay responses. Um, the thing is, again, with essays, you're trying to showcase your strength. Like, you really want to portray yourself in the best way possible. Now, you're not lying. You're just really accentuating and really stressing, highlighting those strengths of yours. Um, and one way to, to do that is by showing the impact that you've done. Many times, and I actually got the strategy for my resume because most times when I was like my freshman year and I applied for things and not be successful, it was really because my resume was formatted in a way that I was only making my bullet points almost like job descriptions where I'm telling them what I did on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, I'm not saying that's not, I'm not saying that's not, you know, bad or that's not good rather, but it's just not the best and effective way to actually get opportunities. Rather, what people are interested in is what impact did you make? What value did you bring? To a certain team, organization, project, whatever it is. Um, so I also translate that to when I'm writing my essays. So not just saying, oh, I'm a leader or I'm, you know, I, I'm curious, but really showing the impact I've made with these things I believe I possess or with this experience I have. Um, the other thing, and I'll kind of like, I guess, um, round up with this is this issue of confidence. Um, and for someone like me who really like have struggled with that for a while now, I really saw how my mindset was would affect the way I write. Now, many people think, OK, um, it's only important in like one on one interviews where people see your, you know, your your mannerisms, your facial expressions, things like that. But you also carry a tone when you're writing. Many times I read essays and I see words like I think, I, I guess. And what that does, what that tells me as someone reading is like, you are not very confident in what you're saying. Even if, you know, I, you list all these amazing accomplishments, I still can't really believe you because you don't carry, um, you're not conveying confidence and assurance in what you're saying. So when I write, I try to use very authoritative words. Again, it's not being boastful, but just really, you know, 
clearly making a stance or something. So using words like I believe, you know, or um, I support, making sure that my reader knows what position I'm on. Let's say it's like an essay asking you to talk about different things, or even when, even if it's just me telling my story, really not undermining any experience I've done, but really saying, oh, hey, this is what I did. Even if, you know, on someone else's scale, it might be small, but this is the value I was able to, to bring. This is the impact I was able to achieve. So I would say that those are some of my strategies when it comes to, um, applying for essays if you want more um you just reach out to me and we can definitely schedule like a one-on-one session but yeah let's we'll just share these for now no that's awesome I think there's a lot of great insights that will help people for sure and i'll be i'll be the first to that i'm still guilty of saying <laughs> i think and i guess when i write stuff yeah um, very good points like it makes you look like it undermines you as you said it makes you look like you're mm-hmm. not sure. why do you think like why aren't you sure why don't mm-hmm. you know? right i also loved how you talked about um, there needs to be a balance. Like there is no right or wrong essay. It's mm. more like strong, weak, or average. And then mm. the problem is that most people are either um, too matter of fact, and or some people are also the opposite, which is that they're too storytelling. And too yeah. Writing, and it's not answering the the prompt of the scholarship. So uh, thank you so much for sharing this advice. It's very helpful. Uh, Lito, what final thoughts do you have to help motivate international students to get started or make progress towards winning scholarships? Hmm, okay. Um, so honestly, I would tell you what I what I wish I told myself more often, and that is to really just believe in your story. Now, I know that's something that many like it's a, kind of like a cliche saying that goes around these days. Um, but I really think that is because again, and that's why I kind of ended that my previous point with the topic on confidence because again every other thing I mentioned was like more of strategy like okay you do this you do that but I believe sometimes the best way to transform and to see results is by working on yourself inner and then seeing that um affect the way you do things on the outer level like or externally um now I remember my freshman year up even up until like the beginning of my sophomore year I always used to see myself as like um victimized because I was international. So, you know, less of opportunities, less this and less that. And to an extent, that's true. But again, your mindset changes everything. Um, even though, you know, society perpetually made me think of, you know, how I was at a disadvantage compared to like my other peers because of the restrictions and things like that. I started to see the fact that I'm an international student through a different lens. So for me, that was seeing the diversity I bring to a team, seeing how multifaceted I am, seeing how I can quickly adjust to things, right? How I'm very adaptable. Um, so really just own this this status, really own who you are. Um, don't carry it as like a victim label or something like to be, to be ashamed of. Instead, like wear it with pride, talk about it with pride. Um, because believe it or not, people can actually learn a lot from you, um, from your experiences. When when I write my essays as well, it's not just again. Okay, obviously I I'm writing with the goal and and hope of you know getting a scholarship, but I also write to like educate and inform and to enlighten people of who I am. Even when I'm speaking, right? Don't undermine. Even if it's just a project. Let's for example, with again being in this pandemic, I know many students have either lost internship or are trying to find internships. Um, don't think because you lost that, that 1400 company internship, then you are now, you know, at a disadvantage. You can still create your own thing. So one thing is if you're, if I'm searching for something and it doesn't exist, maybe it's time for me to create something, right? Um, many students I've seen, I've even just been on LinkedIn. I'm seeing how many students are finding smaller communities of maybe four to five students as well, maybe interested in different like 
interest, like passions and forming something, whether it's a product, an idea, just things like that. And again, it might not be a Fortune 100 internship on your resume, but it's still a relevant experience. Um, so whatever, like however your, maybe your plans have changed for this year due to this pandemic, um, don't see yourself any less. Um, still use the things you have within your control to, to form something, right? Um, experience is, is experience regardless of where it's from. Um, and that's what really makes you stand out in an interview. Um, you're not any less because you maybe, you know, didn't get that internship you really wanted. Um, so yeah, I would just really say, really believe in your story because many times it's easy, it's easy to feel covered down. It's easy to feel like, you know, you don't belong or you're not good enough. But I really want you to believe that you are. Um, there are many people waiting on you. And that's kind of something that also pushed me as well, where I'm not just writing. I'm, I don't just do these things for me. I do this because I really want to, you know, help those currently who are also international students like myself and those coming after me um i really want to rewrite that narrative or you know just being someone that's always like victimized always being at the like losing end um again yes I, i'm not dis, i'm not disregarding all the restrictions that do come with being an international student however um there are things that that are within our control that can really just we can still use so just one quick tip I would just kind of share is last summer when I knew that I couldn't intern during the summer because I because my co-op which is like my internships are basically in the fall so that makes me be in classes during the spring and summer what I did was I was literally so I my school is also in Philly which is pretty close to New York um through writing the code which is the community I mentioned about earlier um they would have that company events um in different hubs around the U.S. So one main hub was in New York City. Others were in Atlanta, I think San Francisco and other cities. Um, but obviously the closest to me was New York. So I literally just reached out to the head of um, student partnerships and student programs. I just said, hey, you know, I technically I'm not interning in Philly. And so I'm not interning in New York City. However, I would really love to attend some events if, you know, if I could be put into the um, into like the group. So I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So literally, again, it was stressful on my part because most most students in the program already, you know, maybe living in New York or really close by. Um, for me, it was me leaving class sometimes even before class ended to catch my bus to New York, sometimes come back at like 12 a.m. at night, um, feeling exhausted. But again, that, that was my way of connecting with people. Again, I couldn't intern the regular, I couldn't use my summer the regular way, which was like to get an internship, but I was still making those connections. Some led me to very amazing opportunities for the fall, interning at, um, I'm sorry, interviewing with companies like Intuit, right? Um, and, um, and, like Facebook. So again, there's like people kind of have this normal or like regular procedure of doing things. But if we see that maybe for one reason or the other, again, being an international student, you find restrictions or oppositions, try to, to break out of that norm and create something and use what you have. That was awesome. I loved how you <laughs> talked about all that. I loved how you talked about um, how even even though the goal of the scholarship is to win the scholarship, like you should be writing to uh, educate, inform, and inspire. Right? Yes. Amazing. And I like this idea of creating something that if nothing exists, right? So yes. if, there's no, if you're having a hard time finding it, like create new opportunities. And I like the example that you used about how you were asking, rewrite, I think you said rewrite the code. You approached them yes. saying, hey, join, even though I'm not in New York, I'm not in this. I don't meet the qualifications essentially. They said, yes. Because you never know what you're asking. So it's awesome. Yes, so true. So true. <laughs> Lido, how can people get in touch with you and get more support from you? Absolutely. So 
I would say three ways. Um, LinkedIn, which is literally my, just my first and my last name, lead on it by Willina. I believe Michael might maybe share that in maybe like the caption or something. Um, and then also through my email, which is my first name, last name at gmail.com. So lead on it by Willina at gmail.com. Um, if you want a more like maybe, um, personal outlet, you can also use Instagram, which is at Ledo Willene, so L-E-D-O. N-W-I-L-E-N-E. Well, so those are three ways of getting to me. Email, um, LinkedIn, and Instagram, or Instagram. All right. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show, Lita. so much, Michael. I really appreciate it. Um, and thank you so much, everyone. I wish you all the best with summer plans or whatever it is you find yourself doing. And I hope that you can just survive through this season, but really thrive as well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the International Career Show. For all the show notes and resources listed for this episode, head over to michaelsbusinessenglish.com forward slash podcast. If you liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you liked so we can continue improving the show. If you'd like to interact with me and other fans of the show, join our private community. Check the show notes for details on how to get in. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is your host, Michael Rincon, signing off.